Hello, my name is Charles Feldman. And my name is Ela Edgar, and we're here for Trust on Purpose. And in this episode, we're going to take a look at building trust and assessing trust and trustworthiness in the process of interviewing and hiring someone for a position in a company. And we have a whole lot to unpack on this, I think, and a lot to offer in this particular session regarding trust building and trustworthiness and how that whole process is impacted by trust. So I'm going to dive in by starting with my own personal experience of looking for work in companies, applying for jobs in companies. And I'll have to say, first of all, my experience of that is quite limited. I think probably I've applied for work in maybe seven or eight times in companies. And of those, I've probably been, well, I actually have been rejected four times. So four of the applications situations, I was hired and four of them, I was not. And in every one of those situations, as an applicant, I felt that the company, the hiring process they used was fair. I felt that the people who were doing the interviewing and all through the process, from in some cases the recruiter to human resources to the actual hiring manager to the other people who interviewed me, all had, to some extent, had my interests in mind. Obviously, I was one of several people who were interviewing, so they weren't going to you know, we're going to go overboard with that, but I felt that they cared about me. So in the domain of care, they had my interests in mind to some limited degree. They were honest with me to the extent that they could be about the position, about how I might fit in the position. They listened to me, which indicated, again, a sense of care and also a sense of that they were being honest and straightforward with me. I never left with a feeling that that person was talking out of both sides of their mouth during the interview process. The processes themselves were quite well organized, I felt, in all eight of those cases. So in terms of competence, these guys knew what they were doing. And finally, I guess I would say that, well, of course, they got back to me as they said they would when at the end of the process, whether it was that I was going out of the next stage or that no, I was not going to be considered beyond that particular stage of the process. They got back to me within the time frame that they said they would. In all of these instances, I felt like these companies built some degree of trust with me. I trusted those companies whether or not I was hired. And the impact of that was that in at least a couple of cases, I was doing business with them in the future. I respected and trusted those companies and was able to talk well of them, speak well of them to others who perhaps wanted to apply there or wanted to do business with them as well. It was a value to the company that was potentially hiring me or not. In other words, in the recruiting process, it was beneficial to me because I left feeling like, for, especially for those that didn't hire me, they didn't hire me for good reason. It wasn't that they didn't like me or I was just in the process just to be there, but they already had somebody else in mind within the company. So given all of that, Ela, you have a lot of experience with the recruitment process. 
And so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Well, I'm giggling here a little bit, but I also want to pause and say whoever those organizations were that you were interviewing with and being considered by, thank you for having a process for showing trust in how they managed relationships and interacted with you. Before becoming a coach, I spent 25 years in the world of recruitment. This is a topic that is near and dear to my heart. And I would say, unfortunately, your story and how you were treated isn't the norm. Now, let me put some caveats in there. So I think with smaller organizations where they're hiring a few positions at a time, it's easier for them to manage the number of candidates they're interviewing and who they're considering and being able to follow up and show care whether you got the job or not. I think where the tricky comes and what I've noticed in my experience is where it's less than personal because there's a necessity to manage the number of jobs that people are trying to fill. So I'm thinking in the back of my head a few organizations that I'm thinking about even here in Calgary, where at any given time, they're recruiting for upwards of 50, 60, 70 positions at a time. So now they've put some automation into the process. Then as an applicant, we don't always trust the automation. So we don't know that the applicant tracking system is uploading and isn't screening out my resume or screening in the resume. So there's some mistrust that can be there or did it get to the hiring manager or even to the recruiter? Then there's, we might have replied for the position this week. Three months later, I finally get a call about, hey, we've got your resume. We'd like to bring you in for an interview. So there can be a time lapse, again, with high volume recruiting. Then there can be the radio silence where you actually never hear anything. Like, Bueller, did you get my resume? Anybody? Could you please just give me some sort of indication that it's landed in the right spot? Then there's the actual, we're engaging with you as a person. We're interested. We want to have maybe a pre-screen or we want to bring you in for an interview. I think that's where we kind of want to spend some juicy time today. Then there's this whole, I don't know if this is something that you notice in the U.S., but I definitely notice it here with people that I speak to, where they've been invited back five, six, seven times for interviews and then never hear anything, whether they got or that they didn't. So our conversation before the recording, I prefaced a couple of times, this is a really, really, really big topic, and I'd love to dive into a couple of these other areas in future episodes. But I think for today, we really want to talk about in that immediate interview process, not the application process, not did I even get into the hiring manager recruiter bucket, but I've been considered, I am being considered, and I'm engaging with this company. Because otherwise, I could just go on a big rant here. <laughs> and, oh, we would not want that, would we? I'm not going to go on a rant, but I think it's something that really frustrated me in my career is that we've all been on the receiving end of being excited about a job or this opportunity and where, you know, we put so much time and energy and effort into applying for it. And then the experience falls apart. Or we're not treated very well. Or we don't even get a call to say, thank you for applying. We've chosen someone else. It's just like we didn't matter. 
And that's the part that is like the bee in my bonnet. We've all been on the receiving end of something where it just didn't land very well. And really a 30 second email or phone call would have made all the difference, right? Yeah. And as I said, in my experience applying for positions in companies, I guess I was fortunate in not having that. But in submitting proposals for work as an independent coach, facilitator, leadership development program designer and deliverer, I have had that happen where I spoke with someone, had what I felt was a good conversation, spent some time putting together a proposal, sent it off, and crickets, nothing. Follow up with another email, nothing. So, yeah, I can understand anyone applying for an actual job and going in for the process of interviewing and maybe getting excited because the people in the interview process and learning more about the job, I thought, wow, I really would love this job. And then, oof, they disappear on you. It would be really hard to take and certainly would not set someone up to trust that company or feel in any way disposed to work with that company going forward. But I think people don't think about the impact that that lack of communication or that time and space of weeks or months where it's radio silence, crickets, and then suddenly they're, oh, yeah, actually, we want to hire you for the job. And you're blindsided with what? I haven't heard from you in weeks. What are you talking about? Oh, that would be a red flag for me, too. Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I were applying for the job and someone came back after weeks or even worse, a couple of months and said, oh, we want to hire you, I would be very wary of going to work for a company where that was happening. Yeah. I think, and I really want to be generous in my assumptions, and that I think lots of recruiters are overwhelmed. They're managing 50 plus open requisitions, which is crazy for one people to handle. There's no way that you can stay on top of every communication, every conversation, every candidate. So are the recruiters actually being set up for success? I think even before that is as an organization, who and what do we want to stand for? Whether Charles is successful in getting that role with us or not, are we still creating an experience where he feels respected, heard, communicated with, and declined with respect and dignity? I did some pretty senior level recruiting when I worked at the University of Calgary, and I had people actually thank me for my declines. A, because they got one, and B, because I was able to say, so here's what we were looking for. We were transparent about that. Here's where you met all those things. Here's the gap. And I'm happy to have a further conversation with you about what you might do differently next time. But I just wanted to let you know where the gap was. Or there were two stellar, stellar candidates, and we had to make a really tough choice. You were excellent in all of these areas. Like, how fantastic for someone to actually hear, oh, it wasn't because I bombed the interview. I don't have to get my itty-bitty shitty committee out and beat myself up about I wasn't good enough, smart enough, educated enough, whatever it was. No, rather, there's two fantastic candidates and we had to choose one. Yeah. Or even that first example that you gave, even hearing, you know what, we had a lot of great candidates. 
here's where you met our criteria and here's... Here's the gap. Here's the gap. I actually did hear that from a couple of the companies that I did not get hired by. And that went a long way in my book for me to leave that conversation, if you will, that hiring conversation with dignity, with my own personal dignity intact, and trusting the people in that company. Because in that moment, the face of that company was the internal HR person or the hiring manager, whoever it was that got back to me and delivered the news. But in either case, yeah, that went a long way in terms of, for me, building trust with that company. That's great. So what I hear you saying, though, is that that doesn't happen all that often. Mm -hmm. And I guess part of that is what would signal to me is that the company doesn't really internally have a good handle on building trust relationships, whether it's within the company or externally. That may be a broad and uncharitable assessment on my part, but I kind of wonder about that. I wonder where else do people fail to build trust within the company? Sort of like, oh, maybe I dodged a bullet here. I think it's probably one of the reasons why you and I have full dance cards is because there's a lot of organizations realizing that our processes, our behaviors, our way of functioning Now that we look at it from a trust perspective, we see how we're not supporting building trust, that we can make some tweaks and edits in our processes generally as an organization. But now let's bring it back to in the world of recruitment. Hmm. So if we're not aware and realizing how trust is impacted on a day to day basis, we're certainly not looking at it when we're in our recruitment process, whether it's the recruiting, the recruiter the HR person, hiring manager, hiring committee, because that also comes into play. They're not thinking about it from, am I building trust with this person, regardless of whether we choose them or not? It's, is this the right person for the job? Which is very transactional because there's so much more that can be uncovered so that it's the right decision for the organization, but it's just as important that it's the right decision for the person. Yes. And kind of flipping our original perspective a little bit, I've also been a hiring manager because I've been in positions where I've needed to hire people into the organization or been on part of the hiring committee, however you want to look at that. But a number of times I have been the actual hiring manager and being able to really think through that process. Okay, is this person going to be a good fit in this company? They're showing up trying to show up and put their best foot forward, when their best foot isn't forward, will I still be able to trust them? Will the other folks in this company be able to trust them? Will they feel like they can trust us? So I may actually have three or four candidates in front of me, and my number one candidate goes away because they found something else that they wanted better or whatever. So now I'm looking at candidate two or maybe candidate three or four. I want to have the same level of trust in them as candidates as I did in my top-level candidate. I don't care about their technical competence so much as their ability to be trustworthy, their ability to build strong relationships within the company based on trust. So being able to make an assessment about them and also 
really build trust with them, even though in this process, not every one of them is going to be joining this company. It's going to be working with me. So I think the juicy bit here is how do you actually do that in an interview process? Yeah. And it's relatively easy. And we talk about the four assessment domains of trust, care, sincerity, reliability, and competence. And it's relatively easy to assess one's competence. There are all kinds of strategies that companies use, that hiring managers use to assess competence, starting with the resume or whatever. Okay, does this person check the boxes? And then let's get beyond that and how do we kind of dig in? So that one is fairly easy to cover. Reliability is pretty easy to cover. Does this person, from their perspective, do they do what they say they're going to do? Do they show up? Are they on time? And that's another thing is, especially as you get into the hiring process and you have a couple or three levels of interviewing with them, do they actually, again, show up? Do they respond? If you ask them for something more, do they send it? Do they send it in a timely manner? So I can assess reliability. What I'm really looking for is, are they sincere? In other words, are they honest? Do they walk their talk? And of course... When you ask someone those questions like, tell us what you're really good at and tell us why you really want this position and listening carefully to what they say. And then the questions around, where do you think there might be gaps for you or what might you need to learn or delve into more deeply in order to really do this job well? What would you be looking to us for? Those kinds of questions, I think, for me, was part of the way of assessing is this person trustworthy in the domain of sincerity? Mm -hmm. And just listening to their responses. How do they talk about themselves? How do they talk about their previous jobs and the people they worked for and with? Someone who comes in and trashes their previous boss, their previous job, they're out. They're off my list. Yeah. The domain of sincerity and also the domain of care. Is this person, if I hire this person, are they going to be able to build a sense of care, a sense of camaraderie, a sense of connection and mutual support with the people they're going to be working with, me and their peers and the direct reports. As a hiring manager, that was before I had these distinctions. Looking back, I can make a case that these distinctions were there for me, but it would have been really helpful to actually have them so I could think about that process with the distinctions. As it was, I was kind of making it up in a sense. I was looking at all these things without really doing it in a coordinated, thoughtful fashion. But I have to say that I believe for the most part, I hired good people. The people worked out. There were a couple of notable failures on my part or the part of me and the other people I was working with in the hiring process. But for the most part, the people I hired were the right people. And I think a lot of that was that I was, again, listening for trustworthiness in those domains, really. As I was just listening to what you're saying, I'm really focusing in on the sincerity and care quadrants for a moment. I definitely have things to say about competence, but I'll go back there. I do some of my volunteer work helping people prep for interviews. And they're primarily new Canadians. And so they have different cultures, different backgrounds. Often they feel that 
And it's a true statement that Canada doesn't necessarily recognize their education or experience from other countries. So they come in for entry-level positions. They really want to start working in Canada. They're nervous, right? English may be not their first language. And I mean, I think we can broaden this to all sorts of other demographics too. But when you apply for a job and it really matters to you that you want to show up and do your best, we may know that in our heads, but our bodies have a completely different response. So in all of my years, I've seen people that are so incredibly nervous, they're like their resumes are physically shaking. Or you can see the red flush up the chest and into the cheeks. Or they're having trouble putting words together and their voices are quivering. And this is my belief and this is what I share. And I hope to goodness that this is a shared way of being in the recruitment world. I would rather that you show up so incredibly nervous that I can see all these things because that tells me that you actually care about the outcome of this conversation. This matters to you. That's what I read from that. Now, it's my job as a recruiter to help you feel a little bit more comfortable and not, you know, nervous at a Mach 10. That's my job. That's my care because I want to engage in a conversation with you that lets us assess, is this a good fit or not? And let's find out. I think on the opposite end, I have absolutely seen people come into interviews and I wish you could see me for a moment, but I'm trying to pretend to be like somebody cocky, full of ego. My assessments in my head, I would never say this out loud, but you look like you don't give a shit if you get this job or not. You don't need it. You don't care. You're just going to come in here and throw your credentials around. And to me, that is a number one, a red flag, which I want to dive in more. But it's also, I think, what are we telling people about how to show up and be in an interview so that we can have an assessment that's clear, that's transparent, where we can have honest conversations about, yeah, I see that your competence is great here and we've got some learning to do here. So if you come on board, we're going to want to skill you up here versus the standard, oh, my strengths and weaknesses, here they are. And in my mind, I'm like, bullshit, that's been rehearsed. So let's get to the heart of what really is, because again, none of us are perfect at anything and we're not supposed to be. So rather, can I dive into the relationship conversation? Can we work together in a way that's trusting? Do you have competency in where I need you to? And if you need some skill help and some competency development, great, we can do that. But can I rely on you? Are you sincere? Do you care? Way more important to me. Yes, that's really the heart of the matter. Is this person willing, even in this very tense situation, to be honest? Because face it, being interviewed for a position, especially one that you really want, is very stressful. Very stressful. So being honest with oneself, and it helps for the interviewer to ask, to be a little bit vulnerable, tend to ask honest questions. And even though they may be pro forma questions, asking them in a way that recognizes the person sitting across from them and acknowledges their personhood, who they are. Their personhood. I love that. Rather than be coached and being told you have to perform in this way in this conversation, you have to have your shit together. You cannot show that you're not confident. You have to look this way. You have to. No, actually, just show up as a person. But I think that 
we don't necessarily make time and space to set people up for a conversation like that, that many recruiters are running from one interview to the next to the next, hiring managers or trying to put bums in seats. And we're not being as intentional as we could be about, can I actually assess the person in front of me and let go of the assessments that I'm making up in my head? Oh, they're so polished and put together. They'll be a fine candidate. Really? Will they? Have you dove under the hood? Have you asked the questions? Yeah. I want to go back to competence for a tiny bit. Yes. Because I think there's another couple of things that really stand out for me in the world of job postings. And here are all of the qualifications you shalt have, or we will not even look at you. And my invitation is especially for organizations that have really big want lists is, is it actually needed to do the job? Is that what you really need? Have you actually even relooked your job postings and your job descriptions? So I find even my husband looked for work for a number of time over COVID. So he lost his job early in COVID and took him over a year to find another role. Highly accomplished project manager, well-educated, you know, tons of experience. Anyone that's worked with him knows that he's a gooder. But he would look at some of these roles he was applying for and say, I don't have all this, so I can't apply for this job. Whereas I looked at them and went, you can absolutely do all this. And the fact that you don't have an MBA doesn't matter. You have all sorts of other things. So this black and whiteness about you have to have this or we're not going to consider you for me is like, really? I don't know that that's necessary. Invitation to look outside the box and see what you might be missing by completely disregarding a candidate that doesn't have the 12 bullets you need them to have. It depends on the job, right? So I'm not saying that they can't be technically competent. I am not saying that they don't need to have a certain level of years of experience and be able to do this and this. But I see some of the postings that are absolutely ridiculous with what they're asking for. Yeah. So those companies, those positions lose out on potentially really good candidates. One of the things that I think that doesn't happen, here we are in the domain of competence, is what are we really looking for in order for the person to do a good job here? What are the things that they're actually going to have to be able to do rather than be? And then on the other side of that, how are they going to have to be in order to be effective in the job? Yeah. What are their characteristics? Is this a place where brashness and pushiness would really pay off for them and for the company? Or is this a role where they need to be a bridge builder, a mediator? Is this a role where they need to take charge? Is this a role where they need to servant lead, be a servant leader? What's needed in terms of the actual position? that will allow them to be successful and successfully lead the team or even be a member of the team. Mm -hmm. So I want to add another layer here because I don't necessarily know how things are in the U.S., but Alberta's had the shit kicked out of the province for a few years. Oil and gas organizations, lots of organizations impacted, right? The ripple effect where thousands and thousands and thousands of people lost their jobs, not just because of COVID, but because of other things happening in our province. So the cumulative effect is that 
there were people out of work and really struggling. And so then they're applying for jobs that, yeah, maybe they're not quite qualified for, or maybe they're overqualified. Maybe they're bringing way more experience to the job and the posting than what's necessary. But again, you know, going back to your point about what do I actually need in order to get this job done? And who's the person, what's the being that I need in order to function in a team that's probably also struggling, doing way more with much less, trying to navigate a remote, not remote, all of these things. Where do we dial up our compassion and empathy and curiosity? More about who is this person in front of me? Is there a possibility here? If so, let's explore that. Let's get to the heart of what really matters here. And if there's not a possibility, how can I still hold you with respect and dignity and compassion, knowing that this isn't going to work out, but that in the future, please don't burn bridges because we never know when paths cross again. And Alberta, well, Calgary for sure is 1.3 million people, but it's like a small town. You're going to bump into the people again. And so it's okay that they weren't the right candidate. It's okay that it wasn't a fit. But when you bump into them in the future, will they be saying, I'm so happy to see you again, or thank you for how you had that final conversation with me? You know, I was disappointed that it didn't work out, but I understood. Yeah. Or that I was hopeful that maybe in the future there'd be another opportunity. Yes. Even down to the end, building trust, when you say to the person, we will keep your resume on file. Are they walking away going, yeah, sure, I don't believe that? Or will they walk away saying, well, that's good because I actually would love to work for that company, even if that job is not the one that they think I would fit in well. And so giving that person the sense that, yes, we really will keep your resume on file. We really will pull it out and look at it relative to other positions that we think you might fit into. We've only scratched the surface on a ginormous topic. Yes, I sense that, <laughs> especially by the look on your face. Yeah. I think for now, let's wrap this particular episode up. I think a couple of points that I would like to make. One is as a hiring manager, looking for a person who will really fit into my organization, onto my team, it would be very valuable to have the framework of trust that we work with, you know, the four assessment domains of care, sincerity, reliability, and competence to organize how I think about and create questions for the candidates that come through. That's one thing that strikes me because I didn't. And now looking back, wow, would that have made a, my job easier as a hiring manager mm -hmm. or being part of a hiring committee? Another very important point in this process for me is building enough trust with a candidate that even if I don't hire them, they go away feeling good about and trusting my company and trusting me as an individual. So that, as you say, when our paths cross, because they probably will in the future, they're not looking at me going, man, that guy, I never did trust him. But rather that they're going, ah, I trusted him and I trusted his company and I trusted their process even though I didn't get hired. Or flipping that, oh yeah, they did hire me and I trust that they did hire me for good reason and that I really will fit in here. And having 
had this interaction and it's a beginning of building a relationship with this person who's going to be my boss or who I'm going to work with because we both will be reporting to the same boss or however that is. Those are a couple of things that come to mind for me as key in thinking about trust building in the interviewing and hiring process. What about you? There's so much I could say. So the recruiter plays a really big role in being the liaison between the candidate and the hiring manager. And so I think the little piece that I'll add here, knowing that we'll probably talk more about this topic, is that how are you building trust into your process, your part of the process? How are you showing competence, assessing competence? How are you being sincere? How are you being reliable? How are you showing care? So if you tell a candidate you're going to phone them by Friday, even if you have nothing to say, phone them. I told you I'd phone by Friday. I have nothing new to tell you, but I wanted to keep my word. Yes, yes. And the couple of times that I worked with recruiters, I had that experience. One, perhaps more than the other. One that I, in fact, went back to hire when I was a hiring manager. I wanted that particular individual as the recruiter looking for this job, even though she was not on the list that HR provided me. I think sometimes we rely on technology to inform candidates of where they are in the process. But that human touch, that care and connection goes a long, 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 long way. Yes. And ultimately, whether a person works in the company or not, but especially if they do end up getting hired, having begun to build a trusting relationship will make it so much easier and quicker to continue building trust and strong relationship with that person once they get the job. Because from my perspective, I think from our perspective, trust is a key element of every relationship that a person has in the workplace. If there's trust, it is so much easier to get good work done, so much better. Everybody feels better when there is any level of distrust that, as we know, things begin to fall apart, things get, get worse. So building it and then going from there forward. So in this particular episode, especially, it's very near and dear to my heart. I would really, really love to hear from people about their thoughts and comments, situations that they have navigated with respect to recruitment, whether you're a hiring manager, a recruiter, a business owner, a candidate. We would love to hear as we continue to unpack how to build trust into the recruitment process and not just the interview process. So we welcome, please send us your comments and thoughts. Yes. And you can send them to charles at insightcoaching.com or you can contact me at ila, I-L-A at bigchangeinc.com. So thank you for scratching the surface of a big topic. Charles, we look forward to continuing this and also hearing from our listeners. Yes, thank you very much for joining us. So we'll see you next time.